Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Hello and welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm Rob Lilly, sitting in for Lucia Ariano this week, and here's what's coming up. Most of the new tariffs that we're seeing are roughly the same price as the price cap, even at its new lower level. Though the price cap will lower rates for October to December, it's also the time when we'll be using heating, turning on the lights against the dark winter evenings, and generally using more electricity and gas especially. With the news that the energy price cap is set to fall this October, we're asking what the decision means for our bills. We'll be looking at what it means for the amount we're paying for electricity and gas, whether this signals the start of cheaper bills, or whether prices will remain high. Now, to answer these questions, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Witch's energy expert, Sarah Ingrams, and from the independent energy market research and analysis firm, Cornwall Insights. We're also joined by Tom Goswell. Hello, both. Hello. Nice to be here. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's brilliant to have you both on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now, Sarah, if we get straight into it, can we get a quick reminder, this is for me as much as it is for the listeners, what is the energy price cap? Because confusingly, it isn't the maximum amount that we could pay for our bills, is it? No, you're right. It's important to remember that the price cap isn't a limit on our total bills. It restricts the amount that energy companies can charge per unit or kilowatt hour of gas and electricity. But what you actually pay depends on how much gas and electricity you use. So the energy price cap affects your bills if you're on a variable tariff. You'll also hear these called things like standard tariffs or out-of-contract tariffs. So it affects those who haven't specifically signed up to an, a fixed energy tariff. And that's the vast majority of us at the moment. Perfect. Thank you, Sarah. And now we've got that straight. Tom, can you talk us through what's happening now? I know we heard from Ofgem, the energy regulator, that the price cap was going to be lowered. We heard that last week. But exactly by how much is it coming down? What might it mean for our bills? So we heard last week that the price cap had been lowered by 7% or to £1,923 on average, and that will kick in from October. As Sarah said, it's really important to note that that's just an average and what you actually pay will be based on how much electricity and gas you use. And even it can vary by where you are in the country. So those figures that you hear going around are just average figures. It's also worth noting that as we get into winter, typically households are using a bit more as the days get a bit shorter and it gets a bit colder. We tend to use a bit more electricity and gas. So while it's generally good news that the price cap is coming down, the impact on our bills is actually going to be fairly minimal over this winter. 
And again, while those bills have come down quite significantly, they remain roughly twice as high as they were a couple of years ago. So bills are still fairly high compared to historical levels. Tom, I'm just going to throw another question at you now, if, if that's okay. It's just something that you brought up there. And you mentioned that bills can vary depending on whereabouts in the country we might be living. Why is that? Yeah, of course. So there's a variety of reasons, but primarily it's down to the cost of actually getting energy from where it's generated in the country. And typically we've got lots of generation in Scotland, for example, or where your big nuclear plant are. So it's the cost of getting it from there to where it's actually consumed. And obviously we have a lot of consumers in places like London and the Southeast. So in some cases, those network charges can be a bit higher there. There's a couple of other technical reasons, but that's the main gist of it. Perfect. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate you uh, answering that one for us. Now, if we focus then on one of the reasons why we're seeing bills remain high, it's the amount we're currently paying for the daily standing charge. Now, I saw a Guardian article from last year where some consumers were saying that the amount they were paying for this daily standing charge had gone up by as much as 80% year on year. So, Sarah, what is the daily standing charge? People might have seen it written on their bills. And how come it's higher now than what we've seen previously? So I'll take your first part of that question first. So the standing charge is one part of what makes up your energy tariff. The other part is the unit rate. And the standing charge is the fixed daily amount that you pay to cover the fixed costs of providing your home with gas and electricity. So you pay a standing charge for each fuel that you use in your home and they apply regardless of how much gas and electricity you use or even if you don't use any energy. Despite the overall bill being expected to fall slightly, standing charges are staying roughly the same on average for electricity and rising very slightly for gas again on average. And that's because they cover the costs of the network and the policy, both of which have increased a bit. They also cover the cost of all those energy companies that went bust back in 2021 that are being recouped. Okay, now that makes sense. Now, moving on then, and for so many years, I remember we were given this advice on the podcast years ago here at which the advice was always, wasn't it, to switch energy providers to make sure that we were getting the best deals. I know that hasn't been an option for quite a while now. Are we going to be seeing more competition in the market on the way now that that price cap has come down slightly? Yes, so we're seeing more tariffs and even a couple of new energy suppliers into the market, something that we haven't actually seen for a long time. So this is really good news. As you say, the the advice has always been to switch energy providers and that hasn't really been an option for probably a couple of years. So it's really refreshing to see some competition start to come back into the market. Having said that, most of the new tariffs that we're seeing are roughly the same price as the price cap even at its new lower level. So the savings aren't huge at the moment, but hopefully this is something that we'll see continue and that will hopefully allow consumers to take advantage of lower prices as a result of that competition coming back in. I like that you're saying that there might be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I might be putting words in your mouth, Tom. Is there a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, potentially? Yeah, potentially it's certainly a volatile situation still so it's difficult to give a definitive answer and there's actually some regulation in the market which is designed to keep the market more stable to stop some of those companies from failing 
as Sarah alluded to, we are actually paying for the costs of some of those companies that have failed. So some of the regulation that's come in is designed to stabilize the market, stop companies from failing, and that should in some ways lower our bills. However, that regulation has also in some ways made it more difficult for suppliers to offer new deals and attractive deals to customers. So there's a bit of a mix here. Some of the market conditions are now easier for suppliers to offer better deals, but there's some regulation that is doing good things in terms of stabilizing the market, but is also making it a bit harder for those deals to start to come through. Now, I should say that I do have a vested interest in all of this, as I'm sure many of you listening do as well, because my current energy deal, which I fixed in September 2021, I didn't realize at the time what a good thing that would obviously turn out to be. Well, it's coming to an end in a couple of weeks' time. Given that's the case, Sarah, what is the best advice you can give me and anyone in a similar situation? So, well, congratulations on having a, a cheaper energy deal still. But if you take no action when that fixed energy deal ends, you will automatically move on to the price cap variable tariff that we've been talking about. So the first thing to do would be to compare how much you're going to pay on that versus a fixed tariff you're on that's ending. So you get a bit of an idea on what your position is going to be. If there's any chance that you're going to pay less on the price cap tariff, so perhaps people who've fixed at a less advantageous rate, then bear in mind that the rates are going to change again. So we know they're going to change in October, drop slightly that we've been talking about. And then they'll change again in January and then April next year. So if you're looking at a year-long fixed tariff, then be aware that a price of a variable tariff will change in that time when you're doing your comparisons. And it could potentially go upwards in that time. And that's no easy ask to compare over that period of time. So to try and give you an indication of what you're likely to pay for energy over the next year, we've created a tool using the new price cap rates from Ofgem and the latest predictions from Cornwall Insight, which Tom will know much more about. So I'd suggest that you use that, but also try to get a really good understanding of how much gas and electricity you use so that you're in a good position to be able to make accurate comparisons with any fixed tariffs that you're tempted by as they start to reappear, as, as Tom mentioned. If you're trying to find out what your annual consumption is, try your app, try your online account, uh, try your latest bill or your annual statement, or also you could try comparing a meter reading that you've taken very recently from one taken roughly a year ago to give you that difference. Well, Sarah, it definitely sounds like I've got some homework to do after we finish recording today's episode. So thank you for all that info. And I should say we will be putting a link to that tool that you mentioned that we've worked on here at Witch in the description of today's episode. So do go and check that out afterwards and you can uh, work out what you might be paying for your energy bills. Now, we'll be back with more on what we can do to reduce those bills. And also we'll have more on whether the price gap could indeed come down further. That's all after this. You've probably heard of Witch Magazine, our home of hard-hitting journalism and informative stories delivered directly to our members. There's our travel, money and tech mags too. But did you know you can hear some of our best articles for free, available to listen to whenever you like? Each week on the Witch Shorts podcast, we bring you a specially selected story, lovingly voiced and produced especially for you, on a whole range of fascinating topics. Just search Witch Shorts wherever you're listening. Scammers are stealing hundreds of millions of pounds every year. They bombard us with fraudulent texts, emails and calls. And what's more, their tactics are getting increasingly sinister. 
To keep across the latest scams, sign up to our free Scam Alert service to help you stay ahead of the latest scams and protect yourself. Go to witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. That's witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. Thank you. So, Sarah, we've been discussing whether switching energy providers could be a good idea. Sounds like there isn't a huge amount of switching to be doing still, but maybe, as Tom mentioned, there is potentially a bit of light at the end of the tunnel on that one. But can we also talk about how the energy companies are kind of doing at the moment when it comes to their customer service? I know we've been looking at them and we did a survey back in January asking our which members about this. So, I know, as I mentioned, yes, this was back in January, so at the start of the year, but I still think the findings were pretty interesting. Yes, we do an annual satisfaction survey and piece of research covering as many energies as we can, England and Scotland and Wales. And most recently, we published our results in January of this year. And that included surveying over 10,000 energy customers, not just which members, and also doing our own in-depth assessment of the practices that those suppliers have. And for the first time, we combine the results of both of those to come out with one overall which score to make it as useful as possible for anyone who's using those results to compare suppliers. So only one provider on this occasion impressed us enough to be named a which recommended provider, and that was Octopus Energy. For some context, Octopus Energy has been a which recommended provider for several years running now. And again, this year, it did really stand out from the crowd. If we think about which other suppliers also did really well in this most recent survey, overall we ranked Utilita and Utility Warehouse as among the next best performing overall. It's also worth mentioning some of those firms within our assessment that did particularly well in the customer survey side of things. So as well as Octopus Energy, which as I said, stood out from the crowd, Utility Warehouse was also ranked well by its customers. At the opposite end of the scale, The companies that didn't score so well overall were Scottish Power, Eon Next, Shell Energy and SSE Energy Services. So those got an overall score that was was lower by far than our top scoring provider, Octopus Energy. So off the back of that then, Tom, we've already heard that there's not much competition out there at the moment. Do we think that this means maybe that some of the firms have become complacent? Of course, many of our listeners would have been through the process of switching firms over the last year or so, given how many companies, of course, went bust in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine last year. Yeah, so there certainly have been a lot of firms going under over the last couple of years. And as you say, that will have impacted a lot of customers now that will have had to have switched firms through Ofgem's supplier of last resort process. The firms that have gone under have done so for a mix of reasons, so Some of them will have been companies that may have struggled anyway, but a lot of the firms that have gone bust will have been well-run energy suppliers that have been caught out by really challenging market conditions. So I don't think in general firms have become complacent. From our experience, energy companies are working really hard to navigate these tough market conditions that still remain. And the increasing levels of regulation that we've seen. So I spoke about some of the regulations that have come into place to stabilize the market. There's also been lots of other burdens put on energy suppliers by Ofgem and by the government to try and increase the levels of information that are coming out of these suppliers. So it's been tough to navigate both those market conditions and that increased regulation to try and offer really 
good products and services to customers. Given then that we're now approaching winter, is it safe to say that we can expect our bills to rise further as we use more electricity and gas? And if so, do you have any advice then, Sarah, to keep our usage down and more importantly, reduce our bills? It's a good point that though the price cap will lower rates for October to December, it's also the time when we'll be using heating, turning on the lights against the dark winter evenings and generally using more electricity and gas especially. So if you pay by a variable monthly direct debit or when you receive a bill or you pay as you go, then you'll probably find that you're paying more than you did over the summer month. Last winter, remember, we also received that £66 every month, the Energy Bill Support Scheme payments. So this winter, bills will feel bigger because we're not getting those. To try to get your bills as low as possible, use your appliances as efficiently as you can. So that's things like using the eco programmes on the appliances which have them, washing your clothes at lower temperatures, drying your laundry outside while you still can, and washing fewer loads less often in the washing machine or only running your dishwasher when it's full, but also importantly, properly loaded so everything still gets clean. Then before the temperatures drop, you can also think about adding extra insulation. So topping up your loft insulation to the recommended amount will really help keep your home toasty without cranking up the heating. Also think about draft proofing different areas such as the chimney, the flooring, the edges around the skirting boards and other areas where cold air might seep in. So Sarah, with all that in mind then, are there any grants that are out there at the moment that might help us make some of those home improvements, maybe the uh, the insulation and the draft proofing you've just mentioned? So one of the one main things to consider if you're trying to make home improvements is whether you can benefit from something called the energy company obligation. More recently, you might have heard this referred to as Eco Plus or the Great British Insulation Scheme. So this provides energy grants for efficiency measures such as insulation, as it mentions in the name. You might also be able to get help with replacing an old inefficient boiler or other heating systems. And these grants have been provided typically through energy suppliers rather than the government. And the biggest companies are obliged to help households make those improvements. They're often aimed at low income households and those in more vulnerable situations, but the criteria can be quite complex. So it's worth checking the government's energy advice website called Simple Energy Advice or finding a bit more online about whether you could be eligible. A follow-up to that question then, Sarah, what help and support is currently available for anyone who might be struggling, they might be listening to this and, you know, might think actually once those bills go up a bit in the winter, once they're using a bit more energy, you know, they might struggle to make those monthly payments. So so what support is out there for them? The first thing to do if you're finding it really hard to pay your bills is to talk to your supplier. It might feel like the last thing that you want to do, but it's the best way to get set up with some help. Ask it what you can do to help you keep up with your bills. So that could be things like paying by monthly direct debit or signing up for a different tariff if you're not currently set up with the things that are going to work best for you. It might also be able to give you access to its hardship fund and lots of the big suppliers do have these. If you miss one payment, you're not going to get disconnected for not paying your gas and electricity and your supplier needs to work with you to agree a payment plan that you can afford when you get in contact with them. So things they can do might be reviewing your payments and your debt repayments. It might be a reduction in your payments or a payment break. It might be giving you more time to pay and it might be giving you access to those hardship funds, as I mentioned. However, if you feel that you're falling into an urgent financial crisis, there are organisations out there that are able to help. So try talking to Citizens Advice, National Deadline, Step Change, if you feel there's an urgent financial crisis. All really important info there. So thank you, Sarah. To finish then, Tom, what can we expect in 2024? I know these are always such difficult questions to answer. 
Does the fact that the price cap has fallen consistently throughout this year mean that we can expect bills to fall again next year? What's the data saying about what might happen? So at Cornwall Insight, we do a lot of work on forecasting future prices, including for those paid by consumers. Unfortunately, we're forecasting at the moment that prices are going to remain fairly high throughout 2024 and possibly longer. Of course, energy markets are volatile as we've seen over the last couple of years. So this can change. But if prices do remain high, as we're forecasting, doing things like that Sarah has mentioned, such as keeping your usage in check and making home improvements where possible, will remain really important for consumers. Well, Tom and Sarah, it's been such an important episode. I think we've given some really good info and advice there. So uh, thank you both for joining us on today's episode. I really appreciate it. Good to be here. Thank you very much. A huge thank you then to Sarah and Tom for coming on the show today and to you as well for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. And we've got another special energy episode dropping on our Witch Investigates feed in a couple of weeks' time, so keep an eye out for that one. For more money news and advice, find us on social media. We are at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter as well, which is delivered direct to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, you can visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was written and produced by me, Rob Lilly, edited by Eric Breer, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins. What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? <sighs> Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at witch.co.uk.